So good morning, I'm Paul, host of the new PL, and I'm very grateful you've taken the time to join us today. We believe business needs a new PL, one that is as much focused on principles and leadership as it is on profit and loss. Because we know if your principles are right and aligned with your purpose, and your leadership has a clear vision and focus and strength and empathy, then your business will be in profit and not loss in so many ways. Just before we start the conversation this week, pleased to announce that on the 26th of April, later this month, we'll be rolling out the very first of our leadership programs, Creative Thinking for Leaders. It's a five-week video-based tutorial course, and if you'd like to pre-register your interest, just go to principlesandleadership.com and click on the Creative Thinking for Leaders page. This week on the new PL, we had the privilege of speaking to Francisca Azelli, serial entrepreneur and founder of Basic Bananas, the world's largest marketing, mentoring, and education organization specifically dedicated to supporting SME business owners right across the globe. So, Francisca, a very warm welcome to the new PL. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. My pleasure, Paul. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, you are founder of Basic Bananas, but also have a a number of other entrepreneurial initiatives running alongside this. So I think it'd be great to start the conversation just by giving audience a, a bit of a brief overview of what you do and who you do it for and the, the breadth and depth of your entrepreneurial uh, journey. Yeah, definitely. So to keep it super short, I started out running my own businesses 12 years ago now. And before that, I was working in advertising and marketing mm -hmm. before grew up in Switzerland I have to mention that for people that think that I have an accent because I do <laughs> after living 15 years in Australia actually I still sound like a Swazi Swiss Aussie and my first business was basic bananas and we still run basic bananas now and basic bananas we do marketing education for small business owners so tapping into my skills that I learned in advertising and also my degree was in Geneva I studied marketing and political science and then started a branding agency, a brand consultancy, maybe eight years ago or so. One of my best friends also is with Aussie is running that agency now. And I'm more involved strategically and with the bigger projects, not so much day-to-day -day operational. And then also started a business called Ocean Lovers. I would still call it a startup. It's still very small. And the purpose of that company was all about using my skills, which are marketing and branding, communication, to make an impact and to, our mission is to save our oceans by educating people. So at the moment we have surf suits made from recycled plastics, ocean plastics, and we're looking at a bigger partnership actually with a company in Spain that, had, that has quite a, a great network of using different recycled fabrics to make swim fashion for us. And then this year we launched a business called the Data People. And again, this is a very new space for me. It's a data and analytics consultancy and my, my share in the, there's four partners. I'm one of them and my part in the company, even though it's not exactly my expertise, that space, my part is to do marketing and communication. So yeah. all through my, my career, I've sort of stuck a little bit in my I've, I've stuck to my lane a little bit in terms of what my skills are and my skills are in marketing and communication and branding. So every business that I'm involved in, that's usually what I focus on. Yeah. 
basic bananas itself is internationally recognized for its marketing mentor programs and i and i understand it is the largest or certainly one of the largest mentoring programs to support small business owners in the world so i wanted to focus the next 30 minutes on our conversation specifically around advice for small and medium-sized businesses as we rebuild after the pandemic and what experts like yourself in particular areas can provide in terms of advice to help support them in their journey. Um, In times like we're experiencing now, it's more crucial than ever for business owners to transform their business, but there are a multiplicity of challenges at hand and sometimes it can ironically, I guess, create a a feeling of inertia or degree of inertia and inaction. What's your advice to business owners and entrepreneurs about how they embrace this chaos, if you like, and find the motivation to transform their business? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, a trend that I have seen from last year when we got into this pandemic and it all kicked off here in March, roughly when we went into lockdown the first time. And it really forced everyone to accelerate what they have been wanting to do in their businesses from for a long time beforehand. Same for us at Basic Bananas. We used to run our training, our our mentoring face to face. With you know, we would fly either myself, my founder, or or our mentors more than than, than me, fly into different cities and then have partners in different countries that did the same to work with people on the ground. And then we had to for, we basically got forced to make everything virtual to all of our mentoring now is virtual run through zoom and different different conferencing platforms and so the the trend that i have seen with the businesses and and my advice also is that everything just got accelerated now last year and still this year a little bit i have seen two types of businesses and and the type of business that i hope our listeners will become is the second type so the first type of business last year has been the type of business that is sort of waiting for things to go back to normalish and just you know holding out and just surviving until things go back to normal mm-hmm. and this and they're just sort of waiting and then the second type of business owner has been the one that has been so proactive and that's less than half of the businesses that i have seen over the last year they're the ones that just were proactive they're like you know what we don't know when we go back to normal or if we go back to normal we probably won't mm-hmm. ever go back completely what we thought was normal before so how about i just look at my business and i pretend that we're going to be in a pandemic for the rest of our lives what would i need to do mm-hmm. and that's the question that i would recommend that every business owner asks herself or himself and say hey if if we're never going to go back to normal like we know from before what would i have to change and very likely, most of these businesses would have to look at some sort of a virtual e-commerce component to their business. So that's the first thing. The second thing is definitely now, and we've seen, again, I've looked at a Deloitte report recently about the trends that, that has been and that is still coming yes. about consumer behavior. And people are now looking online for solutions way more than, than before for obvious reasons. So every business should also look at their online presence and look for ways to increase their online presence and to make it a lot easier for their customers and clients to purchase online. So those are probably the two things I would consider. Do do you think one of the big challenges really is that there is no normal 
you know, we're not going to go back to a normal. Um, no. And the whole narrative around the new normal and everything else is quite, quite just disjointed and quite misleading. Actually, this is this is more than just a financial crisis, for example, like we had in two thousand and eight. This is a a milestone of transformation in the way we're going to do business. And the sooner, as you've kind of alluded to, the sooner we all not wake up because that's quite a harsh statement, but the sooner we all recognise that there will it'll never be the way it was. It will always be a more hybrid model or or a transformational model. And the better we and the quicker we put ourselves in a position to recognize what we need to do. Yes, it, it's so true. And you know, the, the new normal, it, it is a little bit one of these throw around expressions that that it, it's it's I don't you know believe in the there's always every day is a little bit new. So there is no new normal. And the really good news about this whole thing has been that businesses who are good businesses who focus on the customer experiences that that focus on connecting with customers and providing a good product or service they're still here businesses that were just looking for the quick buck and whether that's selling a stupid thing on amazon that nobody needs that is also polluting the world they struggle a lot more so it is the businesses now in this world where we have so much more choice because now as consumers too we have the whole world at our fingertips but also as businesses we have the whole world at our fingertips we were limited here at best finance we were limited to the areas in terms of geography where we were also physically present but now we're not anymore now we can be anywhere we just had a, a new member join us from zimbabwe and we're talking to someone else in in uganda and we weren't able to do that before so I feel like the good news is that right now, this is, if, if you run a business, you really want to look at your customer experience and how you interact and focus on relationships. Don't focus so much on making the quick buck and selling something that people don't need mm-hmm. just for the money because that's not gonna last. Focus on relationships, focus on the customer experience and also focus on building a really good brand. Because again, we have, the choice to I can shop from anywhere in the world nowadays so I'm going to shop from a brand that that I connect with and from maybe a brand that is purposeful and profitable so focus on running a business that is purposeful and profitable yeah one of the big gatekeepers uh, when it comes to marketing marketing is the perception that that there's a huge complexity to it I guess and at basic bananas you pride yourself in simplifying and not dumbing down and i want to make that clear distinction but simplifying the process for smes so they can focus on the delivery um, the action behind it as much as a strategy that defines it what are the principles that define your approach at basic bananas and how does that practically help businesses yeah that's a great question and, and it is one of our principles and values is to to simplify and and you're right, you know, like, I mean, I studied marketing at university, I got a master's degree, but even then, you know, like the, the stuff that we learned was taught by professors that never ran a business. So a lot of the jargon that they threw around was, you know, that's just words. <laughs> so, so what we try to do is, is make marketing a lot more accessible and understandable because it, it's not that hard. You know, the, there are a few principles that you need to understand and then you just need to execute practically how you're going to attract customers. But one way that we teach here and, and one way that I believe in, in teaching to be effective is through t- 
teaching frameworks. So building frameworks and then and models that people can take and then plug in their business. But yeah. very like if, if we go very, very, very basic back to how a business needs to think in, the, in terms of their marketing, number one, they need to know what their core message is. So what, what is their core message? A good question to ask is why do people come to you? Why do people come to you? What's the outcome okay. that they get? And it's not the product. So, so for us, if, you, if I think basically honest, why do people come to us? They don't come for marketing education. Who wants marketing education? I mean, if you wake up in the morning, you don't, as a business owner, you don't think, oh, I really wish I had some marketing education. No, you wish that you had more customers or you wish that you had more revenue or you wish that you had more structure so that you can take more time off. You wish that you were a good role model for your kids. So you need to think why are, that's the first thing. What's your core message? Why are people coming to you? Why do they buy your thing? What are they hoping to get? Number two, who are these people that you want to work with that you can help? And you need to, nowadays, again, we have, you know, there is a lot of sort of negativity out there, how hard it is to grow a business, but it's also never been easier with all the channels we have available now with all the social channels, digital channels, and it's the targeting with those channels is so good that you need to really understand who these people are psychologically. So what are their, their psychographics and emotional triggers? And then of course, just the basic demographics. So yeah. that's it. What is your core message? And then who do you want to attract? And then the next question is, where are they? Where are they hanging out? So are they hanging out if we talk about online? Are they hanging out on YouTube? Are they reading blogs? Are they on podcasts? Like this is an example here. Are they using Instagram, Facebook, whatever channel? And that's where you want to be. You only need to be, you know, for us, people always say, small business owners always say, you guys are everywhere. You must have a huge marketing budget. We are everywhere where they are. Yes. We are not everywhere. Yeah. We're not in the New York Times. We are not on TV. We are not everywhere, but we are exactly where they are. Yeah. So wherever they go, whether it's a podcast or, or any channel, they will see us because we are where they are. And that's exactly what, what you need to do when you run a business. So I'd like to expand on that a little bit and understand from your perspective, you touched on you know, that you're everywhere they are and you're not where you don't need to be. What are some of the biggest mistakes SMEs make when it comes to marketing? Um, and what principles need to be put in place to ensure some of those that are making those mistakes stop repeating that mistake? Yeah, I think definitely a big mistake that business owners make is not really knowing where they need to be. Mm -hmm. So they try a little bit of everything and it's this scattered approach where, you know, you run a business and it's maybe, you, you, you know your business, but you don't know marketing. And then you meet someone and they say, hey, have you tried TikTok? And they're like, oh, let me try TikTok. And then after a few weeks, they're like, oh, TikTok is rubbish, didn't work for me. And then someone else says, hey, why don't you hire a PR consultant and get some publicity? Then they try that, waste money on that, doesn't work. And it's very scattered. It's one of the biggest mistakes people make. Just a very scattered approach. And in order to avoid that, I would focus on just a few channels in the beginning uh -huh. and really persist. Because the second mistake that people make is they say, okay, so somebody told me, let's say I run a jewelry business online. I sell jewelry online. Someone said I should use Instagram. And then they try Instagram and, and Instagram advertising and influencer marketing didn't work after a few weeks, so they give up. 
but most likely it's not that the channel doesn't work it's that their campaigns didn't work that they weren't good and so a good sort of measure to see is that if you have competitors and which you most likely do and they are doing well on a channel you can do well on that channel too it's just Mm. a matter of how you execute it so those are sort of the the two key things i would say is have a bit of a, a plan in place in terms of which channels you want to embrace, which avenues, and then stick with it for a bit. Don't just do it and then give up. You have to, you know, especially, I'll give you another example. We have um, there are great example, especially for the pandemic. There's a business in our Clever Bunch program. It's a 12 month program. And they are a mother daughter business. They, they run a kids fashion business. They make Aussie fashion, very iconic Aussie animal prints. Yep. And when they started with us last year, they were at the make or break because they depend, all they did in terms of marketing is they would go to markets because that did, that worked really well for them. All the moms, kids, they would go to markets and buy their clothing. All the markets got shut down because of the pandemic. So now they didn't have a business anymore. They're like, we don't sell anymore, anything. So they had to learn how to take their business online, how to have an e-commerce website, how to do Facebook ads. They could have outsourced some of it but there are a lot of cowboys <laughs> out there. Yeah. So they they hated <laughs> learning how to do Facebook ads and Instagram ads and all that. It's not their thing, they're creatives. They make clothing and they're creative. Yeah. They really didn't like learning, but they learned. And now their business did more in one month, in la- like last month or the months before, than in an entire year before when they went to market. Yes, yeah. It's because they just persisted and they, they had to stick through it a little bit, even though it wasn't enjoyable. I think, you know, part of the challenge, and I would I would add to what you've you've just said, is setting your expectations and, and assessing your expectations on these new channels and to whether those expectations are realistic. You know, you you go onto a new channel, you you highlighted Instagram or TikTok or whatever it happens to be, whatever that route to market is, you look at the success of others and you believe that that success should come to you in a month or two months or whatever it happens to be. But what are you hoping to achieve on that channel? Is it, is it brand awareness? Is it direct sales? Does your campaign align with brand awareness or direct sales? And are your expectations of what that's going to deliver actually realistic? And that can only be done as you allude to by taking some time to do a little bit of research around how long these tech campaigns may take what it requires in order to achieve that success, what the budget may be required as well. I think until you set your expectations, you're always going to be disappointed. Yeah, and, and you know, exactly what you say is you set some targets too. And again, luckily these platforms are so good in terms of measuring your success that you can say, okay, so I'm selling a piece of jewelry for, let's say I'm selling rings for $400. So, and it costs me, you need to know your numbers as a business owner. And, and obviously you probably had guests talk about that. It's called PNL after all. So, you know, okay, I'm selling a ring for 400 bucks. It costs me 200 bucks to make, including my time and, and the materials. So my profit is 200 bucks. So how much of that can I spend to mm. acquire somebody to buy it? Like maybe I'm happy to make a hundred bucks profit or even 50 bucks, depending on how many rings I can produce. That means I can spend $100 per conversion. And on these channels, you can set your targets. You can say, if I'm spending more than $100 for someone to buy my five or $400 ring, then stop the campaign. 
And this way you can also scale it very quickly because you can see, oh, okay, I can, if I turn on this campaign and I can see it's only costing me 50 bucks for someone to spend 450 bucks, I can just turn it up. I can just say, okay, I'm gonna, if I have the capacity to, to make more rings, I'm gonna turn it up and sell a lot more. So you can set your targets and you can measure them very easily through these platforms nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Marketing is often seen both in SMEs and also in larger corporates as a closed shop within a business. So the minute you end up with a marketing manager or a marketing department, um, the creativity seems to be largely confined to that department. But creativity isn't just defined and confined to marketeers. Everyone has an idea, everyone has life experience that can contribute to the creativity and the potential for the marketing campaign. What processes can be put in place to, I guess, effectively tap into the wealth of ideas that exist throughout the organization? How can you bring a wealth of ideas into the marketing program and the marketing campaign and manage that effectively? Yeah, it's such a great question and also a, a very accurate observation that often, especially in mid-sized and larger companies, the marketing department is very isolated, even sometimes isolated from sales, which is very silly. Marketing, everyone in the company is and should be a marketer. And so it is really, really important that everyone sees themselves also like you are important and you have an opinion and your input is valuable, especially the people that are customer facing. So one thing that we do here that, that works really well for companies is to have a few activities that you do maybe every quarter where you involve the whole team. So one activity that we do here with the whole team, no matter which role you're in, whether you are sales or, or backend or, or customer service, doesn't matter, is to look at the customer journey. This is one of my favorite frameworks that we teach here. So you sit down with the entire team or virtually, however you work, and you brainstorm all the touch points that you have in your business. This might be your website, might be phone calls, emails, proposals, invoices, depending on the company, maybe company profiles, follow-up, different, different avenues. Maybe even you have a, a shop or, or a venue where people come and you brainstorm every single touch point you have. And then you go through your brand identity. This is something that you should already have done. How do we want to be perceived? So let's say for us, we, one of our brand identity characteristics is playfulness. So, and it's also one of our principles. So then we go through each touch point and we say, okay, cool. So emails is one touch point. How can we display or amplify more playfulness through emails? And then the team will brainstorm and say, well, we should probably have more playful email signatures. And then we go through, how about our phone answering machine? How can we make that more exciting? Well, maybe we should upgrade our song and have a better song. We had a, a law firm that did this recently and these were all senior lawyers. They thought they were not marketers and they also really hated marketing. It was a, in the beginning quite a, an interesting session, a difficult session to run. And then suddenly they realized, oh, we actually have ideas. You know, we are not just lawyers, we actually are creatives. We're all born creative. Every single be human being is born a creative. So just some of us don't tap into it. And they came up with also with their phone answering music, what they used to have really boring, whatever, I don't even know what it was, maybe. <laughs> I'm not saying this is boring, but maybe like some classical music that is typical lawyer music. They changed it to Spanish guitar. And they told me after they got so many comments from clients 
that were put on hold to say, hey, you're holding music is amazing. And so these are all the touch points that you then you involve the whole company to come up with ideas to help you revisit every touch point you have. And this goes back to point one, where we discussed about what can businesses do today to get ahead in a pandemic world. And I said, customer experience, if you wanna stay in the game and be ahead of everyone else, you improve your customer experience. And this is one such exercise you can do and then involve the whole team. You raise an interesting point with the, um, with the phone music example, because I think what, and it's certainly my experience in the past in, in, in marketing, many businesses forget to join that last dot in the marketing process. So they've invested a lot of money and a lot of time and, and going out to multiple campaigns, but then very simple questions are never asked when customers come to them about where they, how they found out about them and, and what enticed them to come to them. And was it a campaign? Was it a, was it a referral? And if you just join that last dot, which is a very cost-effective way to, to link up the marketing campaign, to go back to your point on TikTok and Instagram, you can find at least some direction and some understanding of where customers have come to you and, and why they've come to you as a result. It's often the little things that are overlooked, I think. Yeah, there, there are two things in that. One is definitely always ask if it's possible where people found you so you know what is working for you and what's not working for you. And also just a little PS, like I'm definitely not a fan of TikTok for business just yet. So I wouldn't, I just made it as a, an example, yeah. but I, I personally don't use TikTok for business and I don't recommend it. it's a bit too early for a platform for business. And two, so second, first thing is, yeah, definitely want to know where people are coming from. And number two is often businesses, they go out hunting. So they, they hunt for, they spend all their money on, on these platforms and let's get people in, let's get people in, let's get people in. But then once their people are in, it's also the last dot you sort of mentioned. Mm. It, the experience is met. And, and if you, it doesn't cost much, it costs way more to acquire new customers than to keep them. It's way cheaper to keep customers and also to have them talk about you in a positive way because you need to almost look at, at all of your people, your team members and your customers as your brand ambassadors. And they will be brand ambassadors if one, your team are looked after and you involve them and, and they know how to talk about your company. And two, your customers come into your company after you've acquired them on any platform and they feel valued and they feel like you are an amazing company to work with. You touched on the establishment of data people um, this year and data can provide incredible insights around possible buyer intent. But there's also a role that intuition plays in providing us with a deeper understanding as to the emotional triggers behind that purpose as well. Um, I wondered what your view is on whether we rely too much on data today generally at, at the expense of intuition and how we strike a balance between extracting the best bits out of that data, which is absolutely critical, but also not forgetting that as business owners, marketeers and so on, that we intuition has a role to play in that process as well and where the balance is between the two. Yeah, I think it, as humanity in general and and. And for our personal lives, I think, yes, we, we rely to way too much on, on data and not enough on, on intuition. When it comes to marketing, I have slightly a, a different opinion. And, and I'll, I'll say why through an example. So we, we create a lot of campaigns here for ourselves, for different companies. 
And sometimes I have a really amazing marketing manager here, Aga. Aga and I get together and we brainstorm creative ideas and we come up with all these different angles. And some of them I'm like, wow, yeah, this, this is a great idea. And it's intuitive. It's like, this is a great idea. This is very entertaining and fun. I think this is going to really nail it. And then we launch these different ideas that we have so that we can test them again, then to rely on data to see what's working. And funnily enough, sometimes the best ideas <laughs> that I thought were the best ideas are not based on the, da the data that we get back from what people engage with. So, so it's almost like for to create campaigns, you do have to be a little bit intuitive and, and come up with, with some ideas, but then the data will tell you which ones of your intuitive ideas was the most powerful one. And it's not always the one that I think or, or anyone thinks that it was the best idea. Okay, a good, a good example, I think. Um, when you open any of the marketing, marketing literature today, everyone talks about the role of storytelling. Um, and I think, again, like some other marketing terms, it's become both ubiquitous and quite ambiguous in terms of what defines storytelling. So I wondered for those SMEs who are listening today, if you could give us a bit of an understanding of why storytelling matters so much in business and, and also what, what actually defines storytelling from an SME's perspective. Why do they need to deliver it and what defines it? Yeah, I'll make this super practical for business owners. And just first, you know, if we look at why storytelling, so human beings are wired to learn through stories. It's from our ancestors, you know, mm -hmm. cavemen, cavemen, it's what they did sitting around the campfire telling stories. And that's how we learned about our, our history too, is through storytelling. And so we are wired to, to learn through stories and to connect with stories. We remember stories way more than we remember theory, for example. And so it's, that's why it's so important to use stories. Now to make it really practical for businesses, all you really need to do is to look at your business and think about how you can humanize your business more. And, and because stories usually have humans in it, it's, it's all about humanizing your business. And you can do this in very many different ways, but just ask first, how can I humanize my business more? By, for example, making your own story more human. If you have an about page, which you should have on your website, make it more human. Don't just put your normal corporate spiel on there. You can have all that and you can you know, talk about how amazing you are, but you also want to have a little bit more humanity in there and something maybe a little bit personal. You know, what do you do in your spare time? You are a human after all. So humanize your about page. People, in fact, they always go to the about page now even more than before because they want to know who they're supporting so you can do that then you can also use human stories and and, and just storytelling by telling customer stories for example you don't only have to make your campaigns about the product or the service you can make it about the people behind the product or service whether that is your supplier provider creators and also the people who use your product mm -hmm. or service with their permission so really the, the whole storytelling, I know it's a whole, people talk about it and most people don't even know what they're talking about. It's just humanizing your business by telling human stories of different people. And it's very funny, you know, 
I look at our social channel and we, channels and we do a monthly debrief with our social team to see what's working, what's not working, where do we get the most engagement. And we spend a lot, my team spends a lot of time on creating really good content, really good educational content. And then every now and then there's a post of behind the scenes, you know, maybe we have a pizza party or, or we're doing something as a team. It's a very quick, easy post. And that post is always the one that everybody loves. It gets the most okay. engagement. And it's not the one where that is the most valuable one, but it's the human story. Yeah. It shows us in action, not you know Instagram filters and stuff. It's just us eating pizza together. And so it shows again that people want to see the humanity of a business who is behind it. We've talked a lot today about um, the practical steps that SMEs and small business owners can make in terms of marketing and their business. And you alluded to in a couple of your previous answers about defining your purpose and your why and that getting to the roots of why you're there as a business. Um, when I speak to a lot of SME owners, they often feel that that purpose and that why is just really for bigger businesses who have the resources and the time and the budget um, to be able to consider purpose and why and then, and then put a plan together to deliver it. What would you say to those SME owners who are listening today who are practically focused on the product and the service delivery? Why do they need time to, why do they need to carve out time to focus on their why, to reevaluate their purpose and why right at the moment? And what difference does it make to their business and to their marketing programs? Yeah, so do they have to carve out time to revisit their why? Possibly, but it doesn't, you know, maybe yeah, bigger businesses, they will spend a lot of money and time on, on doing this and sometimes not very effectively. <laughs> you don't need to even spend that much time doing it, but you do as a business owner need to think about what, because your why should become part of your attraction and it should become part of your core message. And I'm going to give you an example here. Let me see just to show you the difference of, of what it will make to, to your communication and your, your marketing campaigns. I'll give you an example of a woman that I met in the US when I was still allowed to travel. This was two years ago or so. I was running a workshop and this woman walked in. Her name was Sarah and she said, hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a microtherapist, kinesiologist and something else. I said, great. And she was in the session. And then at the end of the workshop, it was a half day workshop my team member over there said to me, hey, I'm gonna work with Sarah. I wanna engage her services. And I looked at him, I'm like, why? Because I didn't think this guy would know, Sean would know what microtherapy is. It's mm -hmm. not that he would know. And he said, well, because Sarah helps people find out what's wrong in their body so they can have more energy, more motivation and less stress. So her why as a microtherapist is to help people find out what's wrong with them so they can have more energy, more motivation, less stress. That's her why. Her what in her business is microtherapy. That's the what yeah. of her business delivery. So what most business owners do is they sell the what. They sell the what in their business. They sell the jewelry. They sell the haircut. They sell the, the cleaning But what's the, or the gardening. But what's the why? Why would I hire a gardener? Maybe I hire a gardener so that my neighbors think my garden is cool. <laughs> Maybe I put in front of people. Maybe to enjoy time outdoors. Why do you buy jewelry? Maybe to feel amazing. Maybe to 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 treat yourself. So you need to your core message needs 
needs to be the why, why people want your stuff. What, and a good question to ask is, so if I focus on selling gardening, for example, nobody wakes up. Again, that question is a great question. Nobody mm. wakes up thinking, I really need a gardener. But I might look at my garden and think, oh, I wish my garden was neater, or I wish I had more palm trees, or I wish I had more tomatoes or whatever. And then, of course, you think, okay, who can help me do that? A landscaper, gardener. So that's the most important reason why you need to do this. And it doesn't, you don't need to do a five day go into the wilderness exploration. You can, if you can afford to do that, but you can just take an hour right now and think about why, and also pay attention to your customers, listen to them and ask them, say, hey, why do you come to us? What do you get? Why do you come to us? Why do you choose us? And then that will most likely become your core message, your yeah. purpose. It's a great answer. Um, just before we go, I wanted to tap into a broader question in terms of what sort of leadership is needed in your view in the SME sector over the year? You know, what are the, what are the principles that will underpin define the successful SME leader of the future? Right now? Right now. Right now, I really think that an SME is who can lead right now is someone who can bring certainty mm -hmm. because that's what I have found over the last year. Well, there's a little bit of a lot of uncertainty in the world and we don't know where we're heading in all types of areas, not just the pandemic, but in politi politically, geopolitically, all sorts of things. And so the leader that is required right now is someone who can lead with certainty can show the people that hey you know we got this and and it's very certain and that also of course requires courage so it's someone it's a leader who who can be courageous and and who, someone who is decisive people right now are fence sitting and they're waiting for someone people literally are waiting for someone to tell them what to do yeah. that's what's happening and that's what's happening with team too team are leaving companies and getting jobs in other companies if they can depending on the, the economy mainly because there's uncertainty because the business is uncertain because the leader is uncertain because the leader doesn't know what the future holds so it's really right now we need leaders who can lead with certainty and and who have the courage to make tough decisions that are good for the greater good not for themselves yeah and Jessica, just before we go if listeners want to join the basic bananas mentoring program how do they go about it yeah, the way that we go about for the main program is we actually have team members here, mentors that speak to every single person before we say yes, because we spend the whole year together. So it's, it, we want to make sure that we can help and also we are the right person, the right fit. Mm -hmm. So the best place to come first, we always say to just see how we work here and to get a little bit of a, a sneak peek behind the scenes is to come to a free session first and we have a session that runs once a once or twice a month i run it together with my business partner christo and you can find the session under basicbananas.com forward slash virtual summit and we have different time zones they run live so they're not they're not they're not automated they're actually we run them live once or twice a month and we have different time zones for europe america and australia awesome Francesca, thank you so much for your time today on the new PL. Very much appreciated. My pleasure. Thanks for having me and thanks for all the work that you are doing for this. If you'd like to learn more about what Basic Bananas does, please go to basicbananas.com and you'll also find all of the details 
and the social links in the notes that accompany this podcast. And finally, please do take a moment to rank us or review us. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we genuinely appreciate it and it all helps with our ratings and our reviews. So I'm Paul, host of the new PL. Please make sure you pop back on Friday for the new PL to the point, where we'll break down and analyze our conversation with Francisca today. Have a great day and speak soon.